Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. This is the Read Option. We have a very special guest in studio, Ricardo. We do. I'm Ronaldo, by the way. I think you're more excited about the guest than I am. So get, get, just get well, no, I like I like when we have football discussions that are not actually about based football. in football. Yeah. Huh? So joining us in studio is Joey Gaskins. This man's resume is. How would you describe it? Extremely lengthy. I know because I I looked it up and I feel like there were about fourteen to seventeen bullet points just with accolades. But I am going to just call you the ghostwriter to the stars. Do you feel like that's a fitting title? I mean, I don't know if you call them stars. Sometimes they're more like comets or like asteroids. But I, yeah, I guess I write I've written for some. Some interesting people, I guess. I feel like in Bahamian society, though, uh-huh. the politicians are the stars. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to a certain extent, I, I think that that's true. Um, and I, I've written for a lot of them. Um, I don't have any uh, partisan, uh, you know, a leaning. So I've written for the last government and this government and um, and also people outside of politics as well. So, and that's one of my favorite things to do. That's just like a sliver of what I do, though. That's a very... Uh, small portion of of the work that i get up to on a day-to-day basis do you find it do you find it difficult to well i guess if you if you write for people because you're kind of like a writing mercenary right so if somebody (laughs) if somebody comes to you and they Uh have a job for you to do right you're gonna take that so there may have been times when have you ever had an argument with yourself in public uh not with (laughs) i've never had an argument with myself in public but i have to say this uh one of the great things about um i think doing the work that I do is I also get to choose my clients. Uh Um, And so I'm not employed by a company or by government or anything like that. And so the things that I write are usually things that I actually believe in. Um, And I, and for me, yeah, no ethics and morals and, and, and things like that. But for me, I can't write unless it is something that I, I, I really believe in. And, and sometimes when I write for a person, I don't believe in the whole thing. Um, there are parts of it that I'm just like, I really don't want to write this. Um, but there are other parts of it that I'm very passionate about. And if you if you listen to them say say it, you can hear it. Well, I can hear it, but you but you you wouldn't. But um, you could you could hear it. Uh, but again, that's like. Um, and and the thing about writing that I think is really imp- for other people that I think is really important and one of the reasons why I enjoy why I enjoy it is because I get to influence their voice as well. And for a person like me that has uh, progressive values, um, that uh, enjoys kind of um, really keeping power accountable and speaking truth to power, uh, sometimes being able to put in the mouth of someone that would usually be on the side of power, something that is a little uh, more forgiving for those of us who are not in that position, I think is really, really important. Really good way to put it. Yeah, you know, and I think people think of communications generally as this thing where, you know, it's this fluffy thing that you do, right? The easy the, the easy classes, the 100 it, courses. Exactly, right? But what they don't realize is that um, the, the, one of the most powerful things in the world, in the universe, is the story, yeah. right? How stories create us as human beings, the stories that we tell about ourselves, about our nation, about where we come from, all of those things give meaning to us in life. And so if you are able to manipulate stories, whether that is the story of a government or the story of an individual or the story of a nation, you are literally able 
to form reality for people. And when you think about it that way, the reason why I love doing communications is because of the power. I was just about to say, that's a whole lot of power that you have there, though, because the phrase you just used, form reality for people. So you get to completely control the narrative of these people that, that come to you and they want you to express these ideas for them. Right. Now, my question is, do you have to give them these ideas or do they give you a platform and they say, you know, this is what we want you to work around? Depends. I'm just going to say, be very careful how you answer Yeah, this no, it de- depends. But at, at the end of the day, nobody gets up and says things that they don't agree with. I think they do. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, I, okay, let me put it this way then. When they, when they come to you, I feel like they think, you know what? I'm going to go to this guy. He's smarter than me. He knows, yeah. his, he knows his stuff. You know what? You just fix it all. You know, right. song, but and at the end, I'll throw in the color. Yeah, sure. but if, I, if you like... If Okay, that's fine. So perhaps you perhaps you don't, you know, understand what's going on, but I write something down and yes. I say, you know what? I think we should go to war with North Korea. You're probably going to go, actually, that's not a good idea. I may not know a lot about war. I think they would. But going... <laughs> okay. Let's be I mean, I, I think you're giving I've, me I've, too I've much been, I've been in some position <laughs> where some one or two people literally said, mm-hmm. it's in the script, so I'm going to go you know, with it. That's crazy, though. <laughs> I mean, I just can't get... I don't... <laughs> I'm just a sports writer, Cardo. You work with them <laughs> I just all said, the time. Yeah. You mean I'm, to tell me that you have not come across some of these politicians that would say... They would be like Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. They would yeah, say whatever is in the front of them. Yeah, it's, well, it's in the script. We're going to go with it. I like to think that none of the politicians that I've written for have done that, but... Uh, if you see the, if if you think about the list of people that I've written for, they are also not the kinds of politicians that will would be easily, I think, you know, pushed over or will do what people want them to do. I mean, if I'm, my my last and my closest relationship um, uh, in the last government with with writing, um, that particular individual was known for being the type of person that is not a pushover, right? Do, do we, we can't name drop? I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna do <laughs> that. I'm not gonna do that. This, this, very, very powerful this, person. This, this, yes. this is anarchy. This is not terrestrial radio. This is a podcast. No, I know. know what this is. We could just name drop. No, I'm pretty sure this person does. Yes, and, and, and if they don't, um, <laughs> then there will be people who will say it. But, as, uh, but given that close relationship and given the sometimes notorious... A nature that, or, or the infamy that uh, this person carries, um, it has been one of the best working relationships that I've ever had. To be I feel honest. like you were writing for Pablo Escobar. <laughs> the way you just described whoever. I mean, in some circles, <laughs> like that person you would, could be considered. You would, you would think that that person was, yes, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, again, one of the uh, and one of the great things about working with these people is it humanizes them as well. Yeah. So these are people that you think, um, no matter what side you come from. The way that we talk about them and think about them and even sometimes the way that the media writes about them is as if they are inhuman. Like, they're this thing. They become symbolic of other things, right? And as a writer outside of it, because I used to do a lot of opinion opinion writing when I first got home from from London, um, you know, you just thought that these people were in offices twiddling their thumbs and plotting the down the demise of talking points. Yeah, but you know, these are human beings, like, and they've got I mean, families. Some <laughs> yes, some of them actually, but the, the, it really humanizes them to work that closely with them. And I'm not trying to say that they are all good people, but what I am trying to say is that you get a you get a sense of it and actually you can't write for them unless you consider them to be human beings because you have to tell their stories through the the, the way that you write for them 
I mean, I feel like sometimes so you could be like, you know what? Just I, I probably want like a couple extra thousand dollars. I could write this for you. <laughs> I may not believe in all your ideals, but <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, I think for me personally, I, I'm very clear about what is my driving, uh, what the, the the things that drive me personally, and money is is important. And I would never say it's not going to be important, but it is not a a. a primary driver for the work that I do. I, I, for me, power is a primary driver. So there's this really great line in House of Cards. Um, also, R.I.P. House of Cards. Uh, right. R.I.P. House of Cards, but also F. Kevin Spacey, yes. right, for being a sexual predator. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, he says that money is the McMansion and I can't remember where he says, like, money is the McMansion in Cincinnati, but power, power is marble, power is that building that lasts over time. And that's how I think. So power for me is a driving uh, motivator. And power for me is a driving motivator because I believe that good people, progressive people, need to have power in order to change the world for the better. And people who are generally more progressive, left-leaning, liberal, they tend to find power to be this yucky thing that they don't want to get involved yeah. with. Yeah. But then that just leaves a, an, an entire vacuum for yeah. people who are not progressive, not they don't care about the little guy to fill that void. And nature abhors a vacuum, so it will always fill it. Explain that entire thing to all liberals. Like just just to the left, because I feel like the entire left just needs yeah, to be man. They're like, wait, do y'all curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. All right, so um, that that frees me up quite a bit actually. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. now I think liberals can be a bit of like they can be punks sometimes, right? And and in a world in the world in the way that it is now, seriously, like think about just the general conflagration of bullshit we are experiencing in this moment. Um, if people who aren't progressive, I, I don't necessarily like to use the word liberal, but people who aren't progressive and left-leaning and people who are concerned about those who are weaker than them, those who don't have a voice, if we do not step into the vacuum, then it will continue to be filled with your Donald Trumps, with your Jeff Sessions, with your, you know what I mean? And that's an ugly world. I'm sorry you could yeah, disagree with is. me on that, but that's an ugly, ugly world. You know what's something that... that that reminds me that the way the right was able to flip the term social justice warrior to yeah. make it seem like something negative. Right. But that's obviously a very liberal superhero that R- right. only wants the best for everyone. But what is so bad about justice as a, exactly. as a concept? You know but what I mean? Like, how does well, that become something negative? Well, it becomes something negative because, you know, people are always troubled by giving up their privilege. Right. You know, people are just troubled by giving up their privilege. And when somebody who has been disadvantaged or privileged or or dis, uh, uh, they don't have the kind of privilege you have when they start asking for the same treatment you know equal treatment equal opportunity it sounds and looks to the person with privilege like you're coming to take my shit you know what i mean like like so like you are now being discriminated against but that is not the case and so social justice warrior social justice warrior has become this kind of nasty word you know what i mean um as is liberal as has progressive, as has activist, right? People find those terms to, they make people skin crawl and things like that. But look at the opposite and look at the people who are using those terms against us. You know what I mean? And I have always very clearly laid out um, my position on these issues. I am anti-racist. I am pro-feminist. I am anti-homophobic like i am anti-colonial that is me and at every turn i am going to be that and people need to own up to that 
and 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 bring the fight. My God, how do you make it in this country? Right? I kick ass. Describing the platform. Yeah. No. I when me and Nala had a conversation about doing this party yesterday is one of the things I told him. I respect you so much for the point that you found a way to to cut a, a platform for you that yeah. no matter what. It won't be touched, and it's 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 something I respect greatly. I I appreciate that. I I'm a firm believer, and it's it's not the case for everybody. But I also come to the table with my own privilege. So let's let's put that on the table mm-hmm. first. Like I come from uh, uh, a family that was caring and loving, and a lot of people don't come from that. My parents uh, worked hard and was able to save and send me to good schools, and I got in my education. I grew up taller than most people. I'm light skinned in the Bahamas. You know what I mean? <laughs> my my name is Gaskin. So Right, the taller and lights, yeah, like I got long hair and all these kinds of things. So let's first put that privilege on the table and say, for a lot of people, I am respected simply because of where I come from and what I look like. I'm all right, dark. That's, right, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> right. But um, the other thing I think that I, I try to do. And I always tell people I'm not a role model. I don't want to be a role model. Don't talk. Don't tell your kids be like Joey. Charles Joey likes to go out and drink and party and have I mean, a good that's, time. That's and fine. you know what I mean? But what I do believe is that every day I go to work or I do something, I put my best into it. Seriously. And putting my privilege aside, that has meant a lot for me here for a couple of reasons. One, people know that no matter who I'm working for, it's not because... I'm a PLP or an FNM or any of those things. No matter which party I'm working for or which politicians I'm working for, people know I'm doing that because I'm good at what I do or I'm doing the best that I can do. So that's the first thing, right? And the second thing is people also know that I don't compromise when it comes to certain things, right? I'll put my foot in your ass, okay? (laughs) Like, seriously. And despite working for, again, one of the toughest people in, in the last cabinet... That person knew that when we disagreed, I was going to tell that person that. Who was the toughest person in the last cabinet? <laughs> I'm going to figure this. I'm going to figure this out. By the end. It's going to so come to you. Gonna, you're going to figure it out by then. Yeah, it's going to come to but you. I want to. I want to go back to to being a poli sci major because it's, right. it's the same thing I did when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I majored in poli sci. Did everybody that took that major want to work in the West Wing for President Jeb Bartley? Because I, f- I, I know I did. Yeah. I feel like everybody I was in class with wanted to, too. Right. Did you have that feeling? No. <laughs> okay, though. So, he's, the so. Great, he's the greatest president, <laughs> fake or real, that there has ever been. So I've never watched the West Wing. <laughs> What? Never in my life. What? I've not watched a why single episode your, of the West Wing. Why did they give you your degree? I don't, I don't understand. And it's funny because I went to um I went to college to be an investment banker. I, I started off with a, a double degree in finance and international business. I was very clear. I wanted to move to New York City. I wanted to wo- work in mergers and acquisitions for uh for J P Morgan. This oh no, Morgan super, Stanley. This is a I, super specific. Be, very clear. But that's how I operate. Like I'm very clear about where I'm going. Right. The problem is that I got to campus and um, took my first accounting and financing class and realized very quickly that I suck at math, yeah. right? <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, I'm really bad at math. I mean, right? for somebody with a very clear, specific plan, <laughs> yes. I really thought that you would have known that. Yes, you know, I know the end goal, but getting there is, has, is a little, little difficult. Right. So, um, 
So yeah, I was kind of struggling in my first semester, which was also really weird for me because I performed academically well through most of my my um, my school life here at home. And that was the thing: school life here at home and school life over there. Listen, like yeah, right? I mean, you ain't even gotta say it. Okay, you know what happened exactly. in the first semester? I want right. to see it for the record. <laughs> well, listen, the freedom kind of hits you. Yeah, and if you don't rein it in, yeah, freedom could get but a hold of you. But also that idea that okay, you have a book to read between classes you know what i mean like i I'd never had that kind of workload and l- later on i found out that i actually have a learning disability so that even layered on top of it um but i i so i, I started i'm doing this and my math sucks and i happened to take an elective called global studies right and the person teaching global studies is pei shoyinka arewele Wole Shoyinka's daughter, right? And Wole Shoyinka is the first uh, African Nobel Prize laureate for literature, right? He got a Nobel Prize for <laughs> literature, right? And she's an Oxford chair. She's a black woman. She's an African woman. And sitting in her class is the first time I realized how much colonialism as a, as a process shaped my existence as somebody coming from the quote-unquote post-colony. And I was so confused because I was like, why don't we talk about this stuff like this? At home, yeah. right? Um, and so in this global studies class, she's literally talking about how economies, how how the third world is formed in relation to the first world and all these kinds of things. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I actually switched my major. Didn't tell my daddy, right? Just going to switch my major. I'm going to be, I'm going to go in politics, right? And my, poli- my, my interest in politics was actually more academic than it was the desire to be um, engaged in the political process, which is why I ended up at the London School of Economics. I got my master's, started my PhD, and then I realized I didn't want to teach. And so I, I'm a PhD dropout. You know, a lot of people around here call me doctor, and I try to correct them as much. Like, I got a year in, and I was like, this is cute, but it ain't for me. You know what I mean? I so came do you home. teach right now? I do teach, but I teach, but I teach part-time. So I okay. teach like a class or two a week, right? Okay. And actually, I teach because I find that working with politicians and executives it's a big disconnect it is a big disconnect and young people keep me grounded you know the things that we think are important over here for them and not important and and i and i that that's very important for keeping me both grounded and balanced so uh, that's how i ended up in politics it wasn't to get into the the actual process of politics it was as from an academic standpoint then i moved to dc and I started working for organizations and lobbying and organizing and that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. See, that was going to be my path right there. See, mm-hmm. his, Carlo, his political science story sounds so much better than mine. <laughs> I just wanted to be a lobbyist because I was like, you know, lobbyists make tons of money. Yeah, you, get to be, you get to be ridiculously sleazy. And yes. You can lie to everybody. everybody. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what I did. <laughs> I no, worked no, no, for, that, no. That's what I was doing. Yeah. But that, and that's, I, that's where your parts differ. Yeah. Yeah. And I am. He's a much better person. <laughs> that's <laughs> I don't know. I, I worked for nonprofits in DC, um, and we did a lot of progressive stuff um, around that. I worked, volunteered on the Barack Obama campaign, the Ed Rendell for governor campaign in um, Pennsylvania, um, and we did a lot of stuff around like immigration, marriage equality, that kind of stuff. So for me, um, that kind of even formed formed even more my politics, right? And it allowed me to imagine a world where people were just chill with each other like cool why why does one person have to suffer because you don't believe that they belong where you are or all these kinds of things uh, so, because a uh, different symbol of your party or in the case of yeah. your different color t-shirt right I've, i find that people just don't think through 
the issue, right? And then if you and if you test them on it and you push them a little bit, all of that facade about their belief um, and the things that they think are important, their values, it all comes crashing down very really easily. Quickly. Yeah. So here's right? how we bring it full circle, though. Uh-huh. They don't have to think about it because they have a person standing on stage telling them what yes. they're supposed to think. And who's the person telling that Agreed. person what they're supposed to think? Well, That's you. Yeah. <laughs> well... Sometimes, um, so this is kind of your fault. <laughs> no, usually, there are much wealthier, much more powerful people than me telling people what yeah, to say on stage. Let's let not lift the veil all the way. But, wait, yeah. but, but um, I think the ability to think critically, though, and I think that's what that's what you're getting at. That 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 you do not rely on the person in front of the room to make you believe or, or to, to give you what to believe you do your own research. to do your own research that is missing and Bahamian society as a whole I think every social institution in Bahamian society socializes us to depend on authority to tell us what to do think about the way that we operate schools right I think of the classroom as an exchange most teachers think of students in the classroom as a blank slate as tabula rasa right and as a student you believe that your job is to sit there and listen to the person in the front of the room who has all the answers on this particular subject to tell you what you need to believe right mm-hmm. when you go to church you sit there your pastor at the pulpit about four or five feet higher than you speaking down at you telling you what to believe about this 2,000 year old 3,000 year old 4,000 year old book when you're at a rally you have a and so government church uh, school family what do your parents tell you you know don't do as I don't do as I do do as I say or because I said so right so every institution that forms us especially as human beings, and, and especially in this football <laughs> season, and, and especially particularly given Good what's segue. happening, yeah, every one of those institutions tells us that person in front of the room, that person with the title, he or she is the person that forms your reality for you, right? And uh, that is why I think we, we're so, it's so difficult for a lot of Bahamians to even consider thinking from for themselves you know it's so difficult for them to consider not rolling into the machinery and becoming a part of it right not becoming a drone in in this beehive right plenty of them are dead well yeah i i honestly think and you can see it in people's eyes and you can see it in the way that they interact with each other that there are a lot of actual non-people walking around here like like uh empty plastic bags in the wind just floating with whatever happens they you know yeah yeah but depending on the wind they vote in, in a particular way exactly i mean you know People hated the last administration, and perhaps rightly so. Look how quickly I think people are turning again, right? What our generation? The honeymoon's gonna be like two years. Yeah, well, I don't think so. I think I think the honeymoon is 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 coming to an end very quickly. Quick whether March. you whether you whether you like it or not, and whether it deserves to or not, right? I think um, people are becoming frustrated very quickly. There are two issues that I think we can bring up here. People forget, and I'm sure that a lot of the people that listen to your podcast are between the ages of 18 and 35. You and most agree? of them are degenerates, yeah. Yes, most of them are degenerates. Yeah. A, a, a basket of deplorables, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> right? That's exactly um, like we you are. should name but, <laughs> but that that crew of 18 to 35-year-olds... That's the largest voting block in Bahamian history this last election, 113,000 of them. Now, for those of us who did not grow up in the independence era, had no association particularly with Pinling 
or with Hubert Ingram, right? There was an opportunity last election for us to really fuck some shit up. Like, really go a completely different direction. And we didn't. And, and we didn't, right? So that's the, that's the first thing that I think uh, we need to consider. Um, when it comes to this situation, the second thing I think we need to consider is the question of vision and what it is that we believe this place should be about. Right. There are no... Uh, inherent Bahamian values that I can identify at this moment in time. Yeah. The ones that I can th- that I can think of are the ones that were pretty much the opposite of everything that was on your platform. Right. What, Those what, are the what, ones that I think of. Well, yeah, and I mean, or we can even harken back to a time, and I'm not romanticizing the past at all, but what we can think back to a time when perhaps being neighborly was a Bahamian value or being hospitable, right? Can we say being neighborly or hospitable is a Bahamian value I think it's now? It's the complete opposite. I always, I always thought that you said romanticizing it. I always thought that was kind of fake, you know. It is like, fake. Like I, I really thought that when Ooh. you know people always bring it up, it, it reminds me of when people talk about this vision of Americana. Like, yeah, in the nineteen fifties. No, but it, it then it then brings you back to the point that he was just touching on. It's 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 the vision, is the belief that people had. Right. So it, whether it, it, it meant whether it was true or not in people's everyday social interactions, perhaps. That was something that they can touch on. Now, sis, is this your man? Is that neighborly? Oh, <laughs> you understand what I mean? Bro, is this your girl? Is that neighborly or hospitable? And the fact that we consume so that, much. right? Or even during the elections, the, the I... speed at which rumor, conjecture, and just nasty scandal was WhatsApp from one side of the Bahamas to the next without any obstacles, right? What does that say about us as a, as a people? Those are the values we now have. Exactly. It says that that's how... Uh, I, I'm air-quoting this. This mm-hmm. is an audio medium. None of you people get to see this. <laughs> this is how news happens in 2017. Yeah. This is what the media is now in 2017. Exactly. And uh, we talk about fake news kind of funny now and these kinds of things. But if you think about some of the things that were said on either side during the election and whether those things have materialized <laughs> on this side of the election, right? <laughs> You kind of go, well, who was who was doing what? I mean, there was a letter. There was literally a letter of apology being passed around yeah. the other day saying, listen, I did not say this about this person. Okay? Yeah. Like, but that was something that people carried and believed, you know? So I think we really have to, one, think about when, when, when we, those of us who are young and will have to deal with this country for another 30 or 40 years before we pass away, when we go to the polls or just interact with our democracy on a day-to-day basis, right? Are we revolutionizing or changing the current landscape or are we falling into the same uh, cogs as our predecessors have, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is, when will we sit down and identify what kind of people we want to be? Because if sis, this young man, is the kind of people the Bahamian people want to be, then That's I'm... we are. I good, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm okay. I'll pack up my Johnny, you know, my, my Georgie parking, bundle, though, and I'll, I'll head someplace else. No, you have to start parking, uh, parking because I hate to put it like this. That's what we are. <laughs> Of this generation, the yeah. 18 to 35-year-olds, we allow that part of the group to speak so much for us. Right. And the rest, the remainder of us, we remain quiet. Well, there's a solution in it's that, though, ain't like it? The lib- it's kind of like the liberals. In yeah, the exactly. There's so a solution in that. Because mm-hmm. you're saying that there's a sliver of our generation 
and I think generally there's a very loud s- sector of Bahamian society that comes to define in our national consciousness who we believe we are. Like those people get to tell the story. We were talking yeah. about stories earlier. Those people are telling the stories about who we are. But we know that the people that we hang out with ain't like that, right? We know that some of the people that we associate with in our offices aren't like that. Those people are just doing their darndest to go about their day-to-day lives, put food on the table, and stay out of trouble, right? At some point, though, that stuff creeps into your life whether you like it or not. And this is something that I tell rich people who are like, I don't know why my taxes got to go to pay for public schools and public health care. Good. Let's not pay for public schools and public health care, right? And watch you hide behind your gate, your 12-foot gate, your spiked gate, and see how long that'll hold up against the mass of people out here. I mean, they can scale it pretty quickly. Yeah, they can scale it pretty quickly. But this is the question of barbarians at the gate, right? And so we all have to get in on this. This is why taxes are important. Bahamians will complain. Government ain't got no money. Government um, ain't doing this, that, and the next. But every time you go to Miami, you put in your goods in your dirty clothes bag. Yeah. And you wonder why? And you wonder why government ain't got no money? Facts, so. right? Nice. So if you people, if you're not contributing to this, right? If you're not contributing to this, if you're not trying to make this a better place, then please don't come to me about things getting awful and things are horrible. If you're busy hiding <laughs> that your your roll of uh, a toilet tissue or your new sneakers um, in your bag as you come across customs, then don't talk to me about the government being in debt. They're going to come to you, and they're going to get you to write speeches for them. And a lot of this is your fault because you frame the ideas on both Fine, sides. Fine, whatever. So, I want to shift gears now okay. because a lot of what we spoke about is applicable to the NFL and what has right. happened throughout. First of all, are you, are you a football fan at all, or have you paid attention more I, I, now because of the social activism that's been going on? I've been paying attention to the social activism side of things. I'm not a huge football fan. I have my teams. Yeah. Um, teams. I, I, Mommy is, is a Dallas Cowboys, so I'll pull for the Cowboys. And what's really weird is... Technically, I should be a Redskins, and we all know the rivalry between. No, we, uh, we call them the racial slurs. <laughs> yeah, they just the, call them the. Okay, Washington good. Okay, good. Slurs. All right. So, yeah. um, but because I spent so much time in in DC, uh, and I've been to the games and stuff like that, like you know, I wish they changed their name, but uh, that would kind of be my team. I've been though watching Kaepernick and Kaepernick and and others take on this protest, and I've also seen it framed differently and spun in particular ways that I think are not helpful and so i've been keeping an eye on it so let me ask do you think it's um because my belief is that when you especially if you're a minority and Mm -hmm. you reached this stature using sports to get to this platform where you have a bigger voice than you you may have ever had doing anything Mm -hmm. else do you find that it's their responsibility to speak out on issues that affect everybody it's absolutely their responsibility i don't think you can disassociate again your privilege which these guys have, either through money or their fame or whatever, from your responsibility to help people who don't have that, right? And this is why I do the work that I do. I listed the ways that I am privileged. My parents always taught me that because you are in this particular situation, you have a responsibility to the people around you who don't or can't achieve the things that you've achieved because of their social environment or whatever it may be. So yes, if you have a camera on you, on and one of the most watched programs in the world and you can create some kind of symbol to say this is unacceptable that police are shooting black men and women right uh in the streets that is unacceptable you have to use that otherwise you are 
in fact holding up the system you're supporting the system you're shoring up a system that does terrible things to people who don't have the kind of money that you have even if and this is the thing about black people too even if you have a lot of money right any one of those football players could be in their jag or their ferrari or their range rover and get pulled over sir is this your car and it's no happened. we've seen it happen. yes exactly several times this yeah season. so it's not even so it's not even and i may have created a bit of a dichotomy there it's not even these wealthy players need to these players need to stand up for themselves, themselves as yeah. well and their families and their brothers etc etc but beyond that the nfl as an institution as an organization is problematic in a number of ways right um uh, ESPN doing that thing the the other day where they ha- had uh, pictures of players and the white guys were down there and they were auction they were it was pretend like it was an auction yeah ah uh, you call this is my I love to it it seems a lot like a slave auction it's the NFL combine I know yeah the, the college players when they're they're basically being scouted to get drafted to the pros it's listen it's horrible I hate <laughs> looking at it the optics of so much of what happens in the NFL is horrible especially surrounding this issue mm-hmm. because you had the owner of the the Houston Texans, uh, his name escapes me right now, but they had, because of the issues, they had these private meetings with some of the players that were the most vocal about it mm-hmm. and with the owners. And a phrase that came out of that that a lot of people discovered that he said was the prisoner. You can't, yeah, you can't have, have the, the prisoners, in, inmates, inmates running the prison. Running the asylum. No, he didn't say asylum. I mean prison. Prison, prison yeah. yeah. He said you can't have the inmates running the prison. Now, if he said asylum, it may have been okay. It would have been better, but it still wouldn't have well, been okay. Well, not okay, but that's that's a common it, it, phrase. Yeah, would have went. People get, get it, it where yeah. you're coming right, from. Right, right. When you say that, they get where you you're coming prison, from. when you say prison, though. When you say prisoners and 70% of your league is young black oh, men man. and you're a white person, like, like you said, comes from a place of privilege... That disconnect right there with him saying that, I yeah. think it spoke volumes uh-huh. to what the problem is in the NFL. Right. And it's indicative of how problematic, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it is. There are always, though, and this is it's the same thing for uh, news media, for example, but every um, uh, commercial industry, right? Every cap- commercial capitalist industry, right? There, are, There is an economics behind this. There's also a politics behind it, right? Um even the sponsorship, right? Papa John saying, you know, these uh, these these boys kneeling are costing me pizzas. They did, okay. Pizza. I mean, important. I don't want to. I don't want to get. I don't want to get y'all or me sued. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But were I talk, were I talking to him, I would tell him that you know your pizza ain't the best pizza on the block. To first of all, okay, that's um, the first. Unless thing. you wanted to sponsor us and give us like some food, <laughs> that, and, and you know what, then I, it would be delicious. It would be absolutely delicious. We can be in the commercials next to you, uh, right? John, whatever your last name. Is. But I mean, there's, there's so there's the question of sponsorship and viewership and all these things that are coming into play. Social justice is bigger than all of that. As far as I'm concerned, right? Well, I think the the thing that amazed me the most about this entire situation, and you touched on it as we broke into the segment of the program, is the way that the message was reframed as we oh, yeah. moved throughout the it's season. It's all been dog mm-hmm. whistle politics. Yeah, like they they have used coded language around this so much to completely distort the message right. because initially it was about young uh, black young black men being shot mm-hmm. by the police, and then all of a sudden it became the well, you're flag and soldiers. You're un-American because you're not support, supporting the flag and yeah. not supporting our troops. Right. When the hell did it become about that in the first place? Well, it becomes easy to become about that when people feel like you don't even belong in their country to begin with. Right. Yeah. And you should be grateful to be here, right? That's and that, and they, that's, they felt as if... 
you should have more gratitude because we allowed you to have this position. You should, well, yeah. you didn't allow anything. These guys were working they at this work when hard. they were eight years old. You they work and anything. and they entertain you and and you like it. Like I mean, like the entire argument and the way that it's framed is brilliantly done. By the way. Like, it's, like so, from from a professional standpoint, that shift was really brilliantly done. But from a human, well, how you would do it. I, I, like I was just I, about I, to say hey, hey, it I was like it was at least it. three to four Joey Gaskins <laughs> behind the scene. No, we could really <laughs> do this with this like message. Before and now I'm gonna have to <laughs> the news to spot that Joey did something. Um, but you know, so professionally, I'd say it's brilliantly done. But ethically, morally, kind of, in, and in a human way, it really. Um, where there could have been really great conversation about this stuff and where this could have inspired a really introspective moment for America that has been completely lost and but it was there for a moment though it was it was there for a moment it was there for a moment when it was one black person right and one let's be clear one light lighter skinned black man right? we didn't have a hard negro doing no, it no 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 and then you got a bunch of hard still, negroes still right fraternity brother he's just as black as anyone <laughs> no, yeah. yeah but um you didn't have a bunch of... Uh, then it started to look like a riot to people, yeah. right? Then it started to look like, you know, too, men, too many black people in one spot. You yeah, know, like, and, the, and that's when the message started to get yeah. lost. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I personally thought at that moment, if Colin Kaepernick stood up and say this... I mean, he did to an extent, mm-hmm. but he never really got firm with it. Right. If he stood he up... He tried. If he stood up at that point, I think it was around week two or week three, and say, no, I feel like you guys are intentionally misleading the public mm-hmm. on what I attempted to do. Mm-hmm. If he did that around week two, week three, I think he would have rallied more uh, more of the players. Okay, hold on though, but he tried that, but who is responsible for getting the message out there? You can say that, and there have been many players that have stood in front of their lockers and did interviews and said, no, it is about this. Right. But who gets to frame the message? Who gets to put the narrative out there? It's the media, so they're going Which to tell is true. the story that right. they want to tell. Which is true, and that did happen, but what I'm trying to say is in those moments when this started to take place, I thought he didn't do a good enough job. I'm, no criticism. Everything he's done to this, this point is absolutely is really good but I'm just saying now at that point at that point I felt like he could have done more to stand up and help steer that message back in the right direction that's all I'm saying I would have liked for for him and for this to be kind of shored up by other organizations and here's why I say that yes because I imagine what happened was say I was running Oppo on uh, Kaepernick and, and what's happening here, right. right? Kaepernick and what's happening here, right? Well, the first thing I would do is I would test the opinions of people who are most likely to watch football. Focus group. How did you guys, how did you guys vote, right? Mm. Uh, what do you feel, uh, you know, where are your racial, you know, f- your feelings on race and race relations in America? Oh, I think we right? know. And exactly, right? And once I was clear on who my ta- who that target audience was, I was going to hammer into them time and time again using the right spokespeople and the right messaging what's actually happening. But instead, day. what he did, he sat on the couch with two of his good friends and they came up with a decision. This is the... This is where I'm going to lay my flag and I'm going to go down with this ship. Nobody in that circle had the wherewithal to steer to this message it. properly. Yeah. And I think that's where the problem was. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, yes, probably some some more professional help could have been sought in this situation. But I feel like so much of this was based on his raw emotion of him mm-hmm. doing what he felt he yeah. had to do at the time with the little power that he had. You got to realize this is a man who at the apex of his career was pretty much sacrificing everything because... Mm-hmm. 
his career could possibly be over. And right. Kaepernick's what, like 25, 26? And his career could be done. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically a martyr for his cause. That's an incredible thing to it take is. on at a young age. It is. It, it really is. And, um, and again, I don't want to discount that as well because I think he's brave um, to do what he did. But when we talk about liberals and progressives, where we do not like to access power... We enjoy being martyrs. I'm not saying that this is him. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, like, and we are driven by passion, right? And so we need to, I, I think that more and more we need to professionalize the stuff that we are trying to do, both in this country and abroad when it comes to our movements and activism. So progressive active activists are usually college students for example right yeah, or you know sucks. what i mean like or you know housewives who want to get rid of guns or things like you know what i mean what conservatives have always been really really good at doing is professionalizing their movement they get folks in also they go, lying huh? and also <laughs> lying right but that and but this is why i think even more we need to be better at what it is that we do as progressives because we're not going to do the lying. We're not going to appeal to the basis. Since you got people like you trying to be good, upstanding people who want to work for, you know, morals and values. I mean, I'm just saying, sometimes it's it's okay to be that way. But now. also, you yes. don't want me to be Darth Vader. I promise you, you don't want me to go to the yes, dark side. <laughs> yes, we do. No, Darth Vader won for like six movies. <laughs> Glad he's finally here. So, Andrew should probably listen to this and realize I'm not the only one like this. Because you guys, you find people like this and you try to pull them over no, to the dark yeah, side. You're, you're weird uh, because you don't want to wear the black. Well, I, I love Darth Vader, actually. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, by the way. <laughs> but, so and I love Darth Vader, you right? You want to be him. Well, but no, because, because Darth Vader. actually has that power. Yeah, Darth Vader's problem is that he worked for the wrong side and he could have had that. You could be powerful like Darth Vader, but work for the light, or or uh-huh. work for both. Well, you could be a gray Jedi, right? Yeah. And this is a new concept that's coming out from Boom. the new. You yeah, know what? that's what we're calling this one. That's great the gray Jedi. Jedi. Great Jedi. In my mind, I'm a Jedi. <laughs> you know, these are not your droids. <laughs> these are not the droids you're looking for. No, but seriously, I mean, I think we have to just be better at what we do. And and Kaepernick, I keep is it Kaepernick? Kaepernick. 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 Just I say think Cap for short. Yeah, Cap. I think Cap did a, a a really good job of starting the movement. I think it's up to us. I think to carry it on and to do a really good job at it. But I think see. What you just just described right now, right then, is what happened a lot in the civil rights movement mm-hmm. in the sixties. Like MLK and SNCC, they didn't start every movement, but they right. would see somebody doing something good in this area and say, "Well, we have to go there and help right. this cause. We have right, to expand right. that." There was really nobody that came to rally around this cause. It was just Captain. That's true. He was just out there kneeling. And you always need a um. Oh, what is his name? I'm blanking. But you always need somebody that's doing the organizing and the logistics and, yeah. and, and, and that kind of stuff as well. Jeez, how am I forgetting his name? That's horrible. I'm going to remember it before the end of this podcast. But a lot of people think that March on for, Washington... For MLK? For MLK. Uh, he was... Um, Bayard Rustin? Bayard Rustin, right? You need a Bayard in the background who is behind the curtain helping to pull the lever. Who levers. should have a movie, by the way? I'm who should have... He, he, he should have a movie. But you know what? That's never what he wanted. Yeah. And... And you need the symbol, right? The symbol like MLK and the person with the charisma and the look and the charm and all those kinds of things. But you also need that 
person behind the curtain that's ensuring that that symbol operates and moves and says the right things and that when that symbol gets out on stage there is a crowd waiting for him and he can move that crowd and all that kind of stuff so. man i'm just saying it's, it's how the fnm won the last election yeah who who's the who's the big rustin of that it's 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 out there <laughs> it's gonna come to light eventually yeah i, I think who so is that? think can, about it now we can say it off yeah you're a very intelligent is, person. Is it me? No, it's definitely <laughs> not you. Can it be? Can it be me for the next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you could line the money up, it could be the next go around. I mean, I could try. Uh, I could yeah. tr- try to work my platform in there and sneak some stuff in there. But so, what do you think the the resolution of this storyline is going to be? Because right now, I, I got my hands up in the air. I got no idea where this story is going to go next. I don't know if 50 quarterbacks have to get hurt because I feel like they really could have put a stop to a lot of this if they just gave him a job. Like, that's really the worst part of this, the fact that he's a qualified person that mm-hmm. can't get a job based on his beliefs. What is the resolution to the story? I think that exacerbated it, but I'm not sure he, Cap would have stopped kneeling where he'd have gotten a job. Well, at. he said he would have. Yeah? Yeah, he said. Oh, no, I didn't realize he said that. He was, he said he was going. He Again, was, way too late in the process no, 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 to say he, that he said he was still going to do his work because even while he was out of football he was, mm-hmm, yes, he was he still was, putting on his, yeah, his know your yeah. rights camps and working with his foundation yeah, donating he donate, money donated a yeah. million dollars i think it was to his causes so he was right. still going to do that work but he said he would not allow his protest to overshadow what he was doing mm-hmm. so uh, there really was no reason but like you said it exacerbated it because yeah and again, I think that's the economics of I think that's the economics of the industry at play. I, I honestly think owners were perhaps afraid that by by bringing Cap on that they would lose you know viewers, people who are coming to stadiums and things like that who don't These support Americans the cause. To stop watching football, not because of that. Like viewership has gone down and ratings have gone down because this generation is just filled with cord cutters, so there's not that's as much true. people watching cable. Yeah, maybe, but they're not ever gonna stop. Football. You don't think so? Nah. Man, after I saw and I hate to keep bringing up the Papa John's thing, I was like, but probably maybe it's affecting the bottom line to some extent. I don't think it's that though. It's all of the other things that are doing yeah. it, but I think it's all getting melded together because it's it's a timely coincidence. I really you you are not going to have as much people watching these games on cable television when there are so many social media outlets for you okay. to find this information is is readily as it is. Which is true. The same thing has been happening with ESPN and people blame that on ESPN personalities and saying the the entire network is leaning left, but it, it's mm-hmm. not that. It's the fact that we're a cord cutting generation. Right. Most of us aren't going to pay for cable if I don't have don't cable. Need, exactly, and you don't yeah. need it. Has it has it hampered the no. way you get your news? No, absolutely. <laughs> not. I watch no. every game every Sunday absolutely <laughs> without, <not>. cable. <laughs> without cable. Without yeah. cable. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I just I, I'm. I'm interested to see where this goes from here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the story has died out. I don't know if there's going to be a positive resolution to it. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just confused. Yeah, I it, it, but I, I also think that that's part of the problem as well, right? So movement should have at the end of it, like yeah, were we to be <laughs> were we to be successful. And the civil rights movement had this, right? The Civil Rights Act, you know, desegregation, these kinds of things. Very clear kind of this is what we want at the end of this, right? Now, whether or not that solved the problem is up for debate. No, it didn't. It, well, okay, so it's not up for debate. But, <laughs> it helped it. But, but it helped, but, you know... Niggas uh, could vote. But at the very least, people knew what they were marching towards. Not yeah. just for, but towards, right? And I think people know what they're kneeling for. I'm not sure what pe- if people know what they're kneeling towards, right? Here's the problem, though. What? Because what he wanted was cops to just stop 
killing that's unarmed minorities and that's really kind of a nebulous i mean and i want that too they're not gonna give that up like i feel like when they sit down and they have the grand white people meetings that i know that you have <laughs> the grand white people meetings. john has told us about it john, john went to but they're not gonna give that up because yeah it's so near and dear to them. i mean yeah I, I, if there were like a policy position or something like that like let's get body cameras on all cops right and i'm not even sure that that works i think that's still ta- that's they still being tested <laughs> they turn them off or they they're just too dumb and they get caught that doesn't mean the person's not dead though, yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like so it doesn't stop the actual shooting um and then when you are arrested uh, the cop is arrested and that's gone to the, the judicial system then they don't you know they they don't they, people don't feel like they're getting justice because that's where so much of the frustration lies mm-hmm. it's not just the fact that they commit this act it's, it's when that the justice system is stacked against it doesn't it doesn't follow through so you victim. go to court you do the whole song and dance it's kind of like you're, in a, you're innocent. Kind of like a politician doing the bank clean shuffle and yeah. nothing happens. <laughs> too soon. Too, too soon. Is, is it still in the process? Yes. I don't know. I actually <laughs> rely on you to tell too me. Soon. No, too, soon. It, yeah. okay. too soon. Too yeah, soon. Too soon. That's a little soon. Okay. <laughs> Are we but get- no, yeah, I, I get the point, though. Yeah. yeah, I get the point. All right. So we're going to get to some picks. Oh. All right. Let's go. So okay. This is actually... I know it didn't sound like a football podcast, <laughs> it a but it really was. So this is what this is what Joey came in here for. Joey's gonna make his picks, and we're going to find an expert to stack you against. Okay. And if you beat this expert, you've got to come back on with us next week. Okay. So this That's is cool. this is how we're going to run it. All right. You're probably gonna come back at some point. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on. Yeah. This, this is really good. Okay. Let's let's start here with uh let's go with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New York Jets. I'm gonna yeah. go with the I'm gonna go with the Jets on this one. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Jets on this one. I really, I really like New York City. It's like one of my favorite cities in the world. I hate Tampa. I don't know why anybody would want to go there. Bush Gardens. Well, yeah, if you're a kid. Yeah. Well, like that's, the only, that's the only time like to, I went. And then like free, like <laughs> free the elephants. Like let let them roam free, man. Uh, you know what? Agreed. Because yeah. we all have learned by now that you know in 2017 it's not cool to have mm-hmm. a zoo. No, it's not. No. Like no. zoos aren't cool. All right, so you got. You got the Jets. Let's go Buffalo Bills versus the New Orleans Saints. Okay, so I think realistically, I should probably pick the Buffalo Bills. Hmm. But New Orleans is an amazing city. It's my yeah. second favorite city yeah. in the United States. I mean, well, or third favorite, actually. I feel like we didn't have fun when we were there. No, because what? It, it, how do you not have fun in New Orleans, work. guys? It was you know too much work. Let's. It, okay. it was too much so work. We were down there in New Orleans. It was it was Buddy Heel's first game, right? Yeah. So we were we oh were there. Oh my god! Uh, we were there on assignment. We just weren't feeling it. Like I I don't know what it was. And how long were you guys there for? It was like four days. Yeah, we were there like, what? <laughs> like three four days. And they had so much. It was just it was too much work. Uh, that, that's the issue. I got tired of Bourbon Street after we went the second time. Are you serious? Uh, yes. So let me tell you uh, real quick my New Orleans story. Right. So my best friend is a a dancer on Bourbon Street. Right. Nice. Um, nice. So, <laughs> so went up there, visited. We have to take. Oh, we have to go to New Orleans with you. <laughs> yes, you have to go to New Orleans with me. Went there for New Year's, stayed until almost my birthday in February. I ended up spending an extra three weeks. Nice. And in fact, I wrote my boss's uh, yearly speech <laughs> in New Orleans <laughs> from a little cafe <laughs> in New Orleans. That city is amazing. Go visit. 
You remember when we were there on Burma Street and I said, next time we come, we have to stay at that Holiday Inn. Yeah, I remember right that. In the midst of everything. Yeah. Maybe that, that's what we got That's do. helpful because my friend literally lives like a 15-minute walk away. Hmm. Um, but I really didn't see New Orleans during the day either. Like Nobody I does. worked during the day and then we partied at night. We kept walking around and I and they they had to get tired of me saying this. I kept saying, well, this place is not recovered from Katrina at all. <laughs> that still looks a little rough, actually. It's, it's little rough. I, yeah. We went out too much in the day. That's why yeah. I keep saying it's, so, it's too you, much work. Did you guys find Absinthe Alley? I don't even remember. There's like an entire like row of bars that serve Absinthe. Like, I, literally. I and everyone's dressed like pirates and you leave really drunk and it's amazing. We, we did run into a Cash Money reunion. <laughs> yes, we did. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we went to a little dive bar and uh-huh. out of nowhere Manny Fresh comes in and what? performs and I'm like this makes no sense yeah, like, but that's New Orleans though yeah like this makes New sense New Year's Eve literally cheerleaders all the way down Bourbon Street there was a cheerleading conference and there were just like what? fireworks and girls flipping like now, why would 20 they have feet to have in the air why would they have to have a conference on cheerleaders <laughs> <laughs> no it, it, it's needed it's needed in it, New Orleans it is needed alright all right. let's go uh, Detroit Lions versus the Cleveland Browns who you got Okay, I'm going to pick Cleveland on this. Okay. Um, Detroit, have, have any of you guys been to Detroit? No, I've no. never been to Detroit. Oh, it's a rough city, man. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm going to pick Cleveland on this. Do they still have buildings left in Detroit? They do have buildings, and the buildings have bullet holes. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee Titans versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Who did I pick We you? got. I got uh, Cincinnati on this one. Okay. Yeah. Good call. Cincinnati's good. No, they're not. Uh, Chicago <laughs> Bears versus the Green Bay Packers. Chicago Bears versus... I, I pick Chicago, actually. You guys been to Chicago? I'm literally picking teams based on whether or not I like the cities. Like, no. That's that, 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 a fair... fair. No, listen to me. This is all a crapshoot. Like, the, reason, <laughs> the reason we chose to do it this way yeah. is... Because this is all 50-50. No, like, yeah. There are no experts to True. any of this. We have no idea what's happening in the True. NFL. Yeah. Even no. for people that have been watching it religiously or playing it, we got no idea what's Great. going on. Great. Well, yeah, so I'm on Chicago for this one. Yeah. Man. All Good right. job. Jacksonville Jaguars, LA Chargers. So I hate Jacksonville and LA as cities. <laughs> They're both pretty horrible. Um, you hate LA? <laughs> yeah. I did not L- expect that. LA Why? is terrible. So I'm much more of a Northeast city oh. kind of guy like oh. I like subway like trains like you know what Based Brooklyn on neighborhood you went to exactly school, it seems like but LA just sense. always seems very like fake like it's like a city just like thrown up on a road somewhere Listen, you know what I mean I'll be I there oh, an Kentucky. entire week I, next week I do not enjoy the Mideast <laughs> yeah I do not enjoy the Midwest <laughs> no, there's nothing to enjoy in those <laughs> well what moving, moving <laughs> exactly just <laughs> Jacksonville and LA <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick LA though. If I, choose, if, pick I to, if I have to choose, if I have to choose, nobody ever. LA. Nobody goes to Jacksonville unless someone's making no. them go to Jacksonville. Uh, the Washington racial slurs and Minnesota Vikings. It's probably so the easiest pick. I'm gonna. Head. I'm gonna have to pick. Uh, it's probably the wrong pick. How dare you? <laughs> you are going to lose your title as social justice warrior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm revoking it. I'm gonna pick the uh, the Washington racial slurs. <sighs> I mean, they're a hard team. If we could put real football perspective in it, they're a hard team right now. You get your real football perspective out of it. We are having a conversation about everything else around football. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, Pittsburgh Steelers. We got pick for that. Wait one second. Oh, actually, I left this one open. Hold on, wait. Oh, wait. I'm gonna go. Let's talk it through right now. Okay. Um. So. 
I'm looking at like their their current record at the moment, and I want to go with Indianapolis. Uh, Powder Daddy use current records. Yeah, it's all a crapshoot. Yeah, I would say I got use, nothing else. So what I, uniforms? Yeah, <laughs> Let's look at the uniforms. Okay, let me help. You, let me help you with this. Okay, okay. One. I like uniforms. Pittsburgh Steelers, very talented team. Mm-hmm. Coach always seems to lose them down to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts, uh, Colts, they have an alcohol alcoholic for Uno. Ah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I got a good one for you. Uh, Steelers, black coach. Steelers, oh. that's ah. easy. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Reverse uh, racism. <laughs> back to LA again. The LA Rams and the Houston Texans with their uh, Houston strong though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they I just got a World Series. Yeah. I, yeah, but their owner said. Yeah, I know. The the owner sucks, right? I'm I'm not being very social justicey right. today. Yeah. yeah. But I I want to support my friends in Houston, so there you go. And I already picked an LA team. Right. I didn't no, know LA had two teams. No longer. <laughs> you were, listen. Uh, uh, they didn't before this year. Okay, okay. So I don't feel so bad. No, then. I feel like most people still don't know that. Okay, all right, cool. I'm good. They they know now. They listen to the podcast. No like longer, when Joey said, they have two tears. No longer going to be a warrior at the end of this. We're absolutely ruining all your warrior credibility. Uh, San I hope I win though. San Francisco 49ers, New York Giants. Uh, who did I pick for this? Wait, New York. Uh... This is a really good question on which one is a better city. By the way. I haven't. I okay. So to be completely honest, I haven't been to San Francisco. I did not like New York. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, I did, <laughs> I didn't like New York. I was uh, for I was, those just listening. His 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 immediate reaction. He he's really upset with Ronaldo I'm, right I'm, now. I'm confused. No, okay. I'm not upset. I'm I'm confused and disappointed. Well, I, was, I was there. I like in a June. parent. <laughs> I didn't know. I did not like New York. I didn't get it. Like I remember walking around Times Square thinking, "Well, what? This is it." Like that's it. It, it just smells. Well, like this pee. has been fun, guys. Like, I'm gonna just go ahead and leave. <laughs> My brother keeps telling me, you know, you got to do it again. You're you probably to, more you of a Brooklynite right. though than anything else. Looking at you, and then you need to probably go well, to like, like Harlem need, and like. I need, wait, I need gentrified Brooklyn though. Why? No, man. Give me. Give, I, I need the gentrified portions of Fine. New York. Don't try give me like the real New York. I really like like the real New York. I am though. not a rapper. <laughs> I, need to, I need to be with the riding bicycle. In neighborhoods that we couldn't do that New in. New York is an years amazing ago. city. It's the center of the universe, it. and I'm gonna pick. It was the Giants, right? Go I'm gonna pick the Giants. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to go again. Well, we we gotta go for uh, the draft in June, so I'm going to go again. I'm gonna go for longer than three days this time. Okay. So I'm actually. Yes, you. I mean, it really is a good city. It's a great city. I mean, so the world has been telling us. Like, the last <laughs> telling us, you are the one that needs to be convinced. We all know this. Uh, I agree with Joey on this one. <laughs> what did you like about New York? Everything. It's yeah. it's New York. Yeah, like New York. You just you just actually not allowed. You're not allowed to not like it. Like, it just isn't. It's it's, there were a preponderance of crazy people just walking around. But that's the them. beauty of the city. That, is, that, that's, that feels like the danger. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one, for, one in the same. Yeah, for some of us. It's beauty and danger, I guess. <laughs> All right, Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Cowboys. Who you got? Um, For my mummy. <laughs> yeah. Gotta do it for Always gotta do yeah. it for mom. Yeah. For my mummy, I'm gonna do it for Dallas. Yeah. I'm gonna go for Dallas. All right. Hi, mommy. Dallas. The Denver Broncos versus Ricardo's New England Patriots. I mean, I didn't pick anything for that. Um, Denver Broncos, New England Patriots. I, I'm going to say 
You know, I'm going to stick with the Northeast, and I'm going to go New England. Smart. It's a smart guy. I mean, yeah. owner is pretty much best friends with Donald Trump. I mean, it, it happens. So things bad. happen. Oh, my God. I, things happen. Honestly, <laughs> like, the rest of your social justice warrior <laughs> friends do just not have them listen to this. take my card. Just take my card. Do not have them listen to this. I'm pleading ignorance on this, okay, guys? Everything is falling apart. <laughs> and the final game of the week, the Carolina Panthers versus the god-awful Miami Dolphins. But they're Miami, though. <laughs> they in Miami. Yeah. There's no what, beating that. You say, you're saying that Miami as a city is god awful? No, no, no. Oh. I, no, uh, no. Listen, <laughs> okay. This is the hill that I would choose to die on. Oh, Miami really? It's one of the greatest yes. cities ever built. It's like Karth in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> greatest city there ever was. Uh, it's an okay city. Miami made me a man. Yeah. <laughs> I I, when we you. turn these mics off, I want to hear that story. I, will, I, will always I got Miami. Zika in Miami, I think. <laughs> Outside a strip club. I'm, I'm glad I didn't get anything in Miami. I'm pretty sure it was secret. It may have been something else. Spring breaks were amazing in Miami. Oh, I get it. Um, Carolina, Miami. Who you got? Carolina, Miami. Uh, my daddy was a Dallas fan to the end. God rest his. I mean, a, a, a Dolphins fan to the end. God rest his soul. Got it. So I'm gonna do it for daddy and right. pick Dolphins. I'm going to lose everything. Even dad right. knows. He, he is <laughs> well, shaking yes. his head right now. He's saying, <laughs> don't he's saying, do it, Joey, son. <laughs> Joey, we sucks. Don't, you know, don't do it. Don't I do know. That. It's rough. Don't do that. It's All rough. Right. This has been fun. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to... Which expert are we going to find? We're going to find somebody from the AP, won't we? Yeah. I feel like you should just pick it and he should go against you since you're a quasi-expert. But you'll be in L.A. doing yes, L.A. stuff. L.A. stuff. There are things legal in L.A. that you can't get It's here, the only reason like, we go it. I feel like you're going like to be... Like what? The... <laughs> <laughs> this has been the 10th Year Seniors Podcast. <laughs> this has been the read option. <laughs> Carter, you have a great vacation. Joey, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. We hope to see you back pretty soon. Hopefully. Y'all stay woke.